It wouldn't be something that is just something we're shooting for, something we're hoping about. But I thank you, Lord. It'll be something that is such a reality to us. So help us. Help us to understand tonight. Help us to have a clarity. Help me to speak as I ought to speak. That truly we might understand in a greater measure. Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our heart would be flooded with light and revelation. That truly we would know the expectation, the great hope of our calling. That you called us out of darkness, but you called us and brought us in to your glorious light. For a transformation to become more like you. A high calling, a heavenly calling from above. We thank you that you show us the riches of the glory of your inheritance for us as saints. That through that wisdom and revelation you bring to us the exceeding greatness, that knowledge of that exceeding greatness of your power that's released towards us who believe. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, miracle working power. The same authority that you placed Jesus in when you raised him far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is named. Show us that place that we have of authority over the enemy. The miracle working power that is at work in us. Fill us with the knowledge of your will, with wisdom and spiritual understanding. And we won't try to figure it out with our natural mind for it's spiritually discerned, that we might walk in our life fully pleasing you, being productive in every good work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in each and every one of us. I thank you that the work that you have begun in us individually, the work that you've begun in us as a local church body, that you will be faithful to finish what you started in us until the day of Jesus Christ. So we give you all the glory, we give you all the honor, the praise, and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Praise the Lord. Why don't you greet three or four people around you? Tell them that you're glad that they're here. Youth, you can be dismissed. Praise the Lord. There we go. Guess we didn't turn that on. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's not hooked up. Y'all on Sunday night, you kind of just crack me up. You guys spread from all corners. We have just because we have this big sanctuary doesn't mean you have to use all of it. Praise the Lord. I don't know exactly what's wrong with the middle section, but praise the Lord. Y'all are y'all are blessed. No, it's all right. I just think every now and then I've said it enough, somebody would just go ahead and, but you know, 
assigned seating. You know, everybody has their assigned seat. If we came and said, you have assigned seating, you all would sit somewhere else. <laughs> but since we, uh, we don't have assigned seating, you have your assigned seat, praise the Lord. And that's all right. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. Um, it's just easier to preach to people instead of uh, moving all over here. Glory to God. Well, uh, I just want to remind you, ladies, if you haven't signed up yet, uh, I'm sure you have. Uh, you know it's coming close, but sign up for uh, Rivers. Um, oh, yeah. Praise the Lord, it's coming up. It's going to be great. We're getting, uh, the closer we get, there's a greater and greater anticipation, uh, really, to what the Spirit of God is going to do, uh, not only in you, uh, but for you, to equip you that He might do some things through your life to really help others. Amen? Praise the Lord. He wants to fill our life with all of Himself so that wherever we go, uh, the fullness of him is filling where we go. Come on. So we don't leave church and say, man, we're, wasn't that good in church? And then go to work and go, you know what? Uh, man, this place is just... You know, when we get to that, you know, I understand this. I'll try not to get off too far off. But just to help us, you know. Sometimes we get to the point of like, man, did you go in there? And it was so dark. And, and we get real spiritual about it. But if you're going to get real spiritual about it and come out and go, my God, that was terrible. Listen, if it's dark in here, all you got to do is turn on one little bitty light. And that light dispels the darkness. So if you get real spiritual about it and we're filled with the fullness of God... And we take his presence into a place where the, the enemy, dark spirits are, the light dispels the darkness. We're not overwhelmed by it, but we bring his presence to fill his presence in that place. So it might be a dark place till you show up. Unless you say, well, I just left that Holy Ghost at church. I left my Holy Spirit in my prayer closet this morning. Well, that's just a, a, a mindset because he said, man, wherever you go, I'm going with you. He made us a promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. That means wherever you go, he's there. But if you're not conscious of it, then the enemy can take an advantage. But when we're conscious of it, Wherever I go, he goes. Wherever I am, he's there because he dwells in me. Amen? And so, uh, you know, sometimes the enemy just tries to get us overwhelmed spiritually with his, ah. And when we just know, listen, man, you mess with the Spirit of God a few times. And so he already knows. If you know who you are, if I know who I am, he really doesn't have too much place. And so that's why he always continues, right? So again, when we talk about this, you know, the moving of the Spirit of God. I love the moving of the Spirit of God. I love impartation. But if all we have is the moving of the Spirit of God, we don't have teaching, then people don't know who they are. So you can have a great meeting and get delivered and set free, but then all of a sudden when you go into a place and the enemy goes, oh, and you go, oh, I need another... I need another Holy Ghost meeting. He's like, no, that Holy Ghost meeting was to get you built up and know who you are. So when you go in there and the enemy goes, ha, oh, you say, come on. Yeah. Come on yeah. 
You don't have any place here. I'm a child of the most high God. Right? And so, uh, again, he says that. He, he raised far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. And he's the head over all things to the church. We are his body. His body is the fullness of him who fills everything everywhere. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the enemy, he'll try to keep, you know, keep us uh, to a place where if he can keep us in that lack of knowledge, he can continue uh, to get us to, to chase around, you know, like chase our tail. But the, the more we gain a knowledge of who we are and who lives in us and who we live in, then all of a sudden we just realize where we go, what we're carrying on the inside of us, what God has allowed us to carry on the inside of us. Amen. All of this miracle working power, all this creative power in this itty-bitty living space. I mean, the enemy just says, well, how do you think you get all that in there? I don't know. It's a miracle. It's supernatural. Amen. Once you know that, he knows there's going to be a breakout And a breakthrough. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that's all free. Glory to God. I don't know exactly where we got off on that. I was announcing the ladies' conference. Sign up for the ladies' conference. It's just going to be good. The Spirit of God's going to do uh, some things uh, for you. Amen. And uh, praise the Lord. What else? I don't know that there's any other announcements. Uh, yeah, you'll have to go on to... It's not, it's not back there. What? There's a screen up there? Put a screen up there. Right, for the voter registration drive. The next slide. There you go. Praise the Lord. So you can text, I vote. And uh, that'll give you uh, some personal assistance so you can get registered. We said that this morning. We had a voter registration table this morning. But I encourage you, if you're not registered to vote, vote. If somebody's telling you, well, it, don't, it won't do any good. You don't need to do that. Uh, that's just somebody trying to talk you out of it because you will make a difference, yeah. right? You'll make a difference. And uh, we as the church, we want to live out uh, and be able to, to vote concerning really the value that we have on righteousness. And uh, you know what? If, if the leader you don't pick doesn't get in office, well, you know, what we continue to pray. We know it's not a cure-all. We're not depending upon government. But at the same time, God's given us a privilege in this nation to choose our leaders. We don't want to abdicate that responsibility over uh, to those who, who would uh, not see righteousness or who would uh, elect people or bring people in who uh, uh, would rule or lead in an unrighteous manner. The Bible says, when the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. Amen. And so I said this morning, if you weren't here, you know, uh, don't, don't just simply watch personalities. But go and find out where they've been, what they stand for, what they've voted upon, and then begin to look at those issues and look at your Bible. Right? And so, uh, again begin to look at the platform that they say that they believe in, and uh, then look at the Bible. 
Amen. And so uh, you can make your own choice. I'm not telling you what choice to make, but as a believer, we should be uh, endeavoring with the privilege that we have to uh, elect leaders, not just politicians who talk smooth, but who will do uh, and make decisions based on righteousness. Say, well, I've looked at a lot of them. I can't find one. Uh, well, and we're going to have to pray those in and get, get them appointed, you know, God to raise up some people. Amen? But uh, just, just uh, take this time. Take it seriously uh, as a member of the body of Christ, as a citizen of our nation. Take it seriously what you will do. Amen? And so all we're doing is saying you can sign up, and then I just encourage you as a pastor. Uh, you know, there's so much out there. There's so many advertisements. If you just believe the advertisements, half of them are lies. They just are. I mean, you don't know that. They'll say so-and-so did this and said that, and if you really investigate it, they didn't do and say that at all. So it's better just to go into places that you can find out how they actually took a stance on an issue Amen. Enough said. Well, if you weren't here uh, this morning or weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity. Also, if you weren't here uh, or you weren't prepared, uh, we're receiving an offering for Dunamis School of the Bible in Nepal to sponsor students. And so uh, a student to sponsor them is $250, but I think we can all get that together. But today, if, if you're doing it today, we're not going to take a separate offering. Go ahead and put on whatever you do, label it uh, Dunamis or a Bible school student. So we make sure that gets in the right place. Otherwise, everything else will go uh, for tithes and offerings. Uh, but if you want to give uh, to sponsoring a student in Nepal, go ahead and put that tonight on that line so we make sure that that gets to them. Amen. Praise the Lord. We ready? Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give. Uh, what a privilege, what an honor uh, to be so blessed by you that you've given us seed to sow, bread for food. God, you're increasing the fruit of our righteousness. You're causing us to flourish in every good thing. Father, I just thank you for each and every person here. I declare by the authority of your word that you uh, are meeting and, and will meet all of their need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. And after uh, you do, uh, turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We started last week just talking about some things on Sunday morning. Uh, just a word, I believe, from God came forth talking about the spirit within and the spirit upon and so really, you know, even as I, I dig a little bit deeper, it can be a little bit confusing sometimes about what that is. We're going to try to just uh, relate it to you in a way uh, that is relatable. I mean, you could dig in and, well, this looks a little bit like he's saying this and this, and, um, but get it to the place where we can just really function in our life in a way that is profitable, not just for us, but for the people that we come in contact with, right? We want to live a life that's not just beneficial for us, but beneficial for the people that we come in contact with. Amen. And so, uh, uh, you know, as we, we talked about that, uh, just the principle uh, to this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 2, and it says, though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. 
So here, what's he saying? He's just gone into this, and in the beginning of the chapter 12, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of spirituals or things of the spirit. I know if you have a King James, New King James, it's italicized, and it says gifts. Translators added gifts to that, but it really just says things of the spirit. I don't want you to be ignorant of spirituals, spiritual things. And then he goes on, he says, you know what, no one can call Jesus cursed and really be of the Holy Spirit. No one can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know, that seemed weird. That threw me off for a long time because, you know, when I was growing up, you know, you could watch something like Saturday Night Live, you know, and there was a, the, what, it, what was it, the church lady, and who praise the Lord, and she's calling, you know, the Lord. Jesus is Lord, she's, and it's mimicking. I'm like, well, now, wait a minute, it says no one calls Jesus Lord. Well, you can say those words, but no one can actually invite Jesus to take over their life and be the master of their life except by the Holy Ghost. So sometimes we think, well, I'm just making that decision. We'll see how it goes. Well, no, there should be an unction, right? When you got born again, something should have been going on on the inside of you, you know? Many times, you know, people, you're just sitting there. People are sitting going, you know, and you're like, you know, is anyone here? Uh, You know, it just seems like someone needs to get saved today and nobody's moving, you know, but on the inside, somebody's like, I need to. Well, what's that? It's the Holy Ghost saying, today's your day. Today's the day. You say, well, I thought today's the day of salvation for everyone. It is, right? You can make that choice, but the Holy Spirit's working with you to say, come on, today's the day. And you open that up by the Holy Spirit of God, right? And then he goes on to say, you know, there's differences of gifts. There's differences of administrations, uh, but it's all the, the Spirit of God working that. He says, he goes on to say, and then the manifestations of the Spirit. And so really, he, he, you know, again, I'm not trying to mince words here, but he doesn't say, and now the nine gifts of the Spirit. He says, the manifestations of the Spirit are these. And he goes into nine manifestations of the Spirit. And then he goes on after those nine manifestations or gifts of the Spirit he starts to say, we are one body in Christ, but many members. So he's still talking about spiritual things. You know, we've just relegated the church sometimes in our mind to another social gathering that we should go to, because if we don't, we might not go to heaven. Got to have a proper church attendance in order to get into heaven, but that's not true. The church, the body of Christ, is something that is spiritual. The relationship that is going on is spiritual. The membership, what you have on the inside of you to function with others is spiritual. It's not just natural. It's something the Holy Ghost is doing, fitting us, knitting us, joining us together to create a greater strength together than we would have on our own. Man, the enemy knows that. If, if the, the, the church, uh, you know, we see that fit together. We're a local church, you know. And so he says, is every joint supplies. You can't ever get this totally accurate because the Holy Spirit gives us a number of different analogies to help us fit the pieces together. But as every joint supplies. So, so you know, just we're, we're probably not this big a deal in the body, but just say, you know, what we're, we're the right arm. Well, we're connected at the shoulder. 
So I'll use it like this, you know, whether you like it, you, you may not like it. We're connected to certain ministries that, that God put me in as a pastor. Y'all are connected to. We're connected at that point. And then there's others that are connected. So if I, I was to say it like this, you know, uh, 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 Rama, uh, Brother Hagen, all that, just say they're the shoulder. Well, Mark Brzee was connected there. Well, then I got connected to him, some others. So in that vein, we're connected there. We're working there. Well, then there's another organization, and so somebody's connected to that. Well, they're connected, the leg's connected at the hip. And so God's doing something supernatural. But often we're like, you know what, look at that leg move. Isn't that something? I want to be connected there. But you're connected at the shoulder. You're not connected at the hip. And it's supernatural. But we always want to get connected where we're not. Why? Because we can always talk about how that leg's moving really good. But, you know, the leg's looking and saying, man, if I could just be connected at the shoulder, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't have to carry around this big old thigh? Just have that wimpy little bicep to deal with? <laughs> right? There's just all kinds of things if, if your body could talk. Right? But thankfully, he put, God put it together in such a way that it doesn't really talk like that. It doesn't say, I wish I was another part of the body. Right. So he's still talking about spiritual things. Then he goes on to say, listen, every part's not the same. Every gifting is not the same. Everybody's not a prophet. Everybody's not an apostle. But there, there's parts for each one. There's helps. There's the ministry of helps. There's exhortation. There's giving. There's all kinds of different parts of the body to find out who we are. And so then he, then he goes into love and he says, really, none of this works right without love. So he, he's talking about the love of God, still something spiritual that's working in us. And so really, that love of God is working in us so that prophecy, moving mountains with miracle-working faith, understanding, uh, having spiritual understanding of, of divine secrets, he says, so that it really will be profitable for you and for others, there has to be something of the Spirit working on the inside of you to actually make you spiritual. He says, you can do all these things, but without love, you're nothing. In other words, there's something that makes you spiritual, not just moving mountains. There's something that makes you spiritual, not just prophesying. There's something that makes you spiritual, not just understanding mysteries. Because you could do all that, and without love, you're not really as spiritual as you think. Okay? So, again, as we go through this, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're going to try to get to some of the, the, the things there because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts or the manifestations of the Spirit, right? But sometimes Paul was dealing with this right here. He went into 14. He said, you guys are all excited about this spiritual stuff. He's addressing, if you read 1 Corinthians, they got, they got stuff going on that, that if we talked about it today as if it was going on in the church today, we would think, my God, the church is going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, they had stuff going on. Why? Because they were just coming to Jesus, they were just coming out of paganism. They were Gentiles. They didn't know the law. They'd heard all kinds of things. The religious 
uh, sections of people, the status, all that was so different in the day. And they were just coming. And he's like, man, alive, you guys, I don't want you to fall short in any spiritual thing. But then he had to go, but you got immorality among you. You can't be super spiritual and be sleeping with the temple prostitutes. That's, don't you know, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He said, you can't have, uh, you've written to me about some things going on in the families. That's not, that's not a good thing that's going on. So he was always addressing things. As Pastor Tasha said this morning, these are letters to local churches, and Paul's trying to help them navigate difficulty in how people come together and how they understand it. So, I mean, the Corinthian church, we look at this, and so he comes around and he says, man, you all, you all found out there's these spiritual things, and you've gone a little bit crazy and gotten a little bit selfish, and so I'm going to bring a little bit of order to it. But that's all he said. He said, I'm bringing order. I don't want you to, just because I'm bringing order, to just stop it. But he said, in the proper order, it's going to flourish and profit everybody. He said, these manifestations are given by the Holy Spirit for the profit of all. For the profit of all. All right? So, we start about this and we start to understand that, listen, the life that we have, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life is really the very uh, source of the life that we now live. The Holy Spirit in us in our spirit is the very source of the life that we now live. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am or I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But now something's changed. It's not I that lives because my old man was crucified with Christ. My, my flesh, my old nature was crucified with Christ. A new man emerged, and the life that I now live in this flesh body, right, I live by faith of the Son of God, because it's Christ that lives in me, right, the Holy Spirit, Christ by the Holy Spirit lives in me, so the life that I now live. We've said before, writers uh, have said this, if you break it down, he said, the life that I now live, which means there used to be a different kind of life that I was living, but by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and my confession to make him Lord, now I've died out to the old person that was dominated by sin, and I've been raised to a newness of life, a new source of life is coming through me, and the source of that life is Jesus, the source of that life is the Holy spirit within me and so it's a different kind of life and it's a different quality of life writers have said it's a quality of the resurrection of Jesus so that just sounds strange well no that's just biblical the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you then he'll quicken and make alive this mortal body, right? So now this mortal body, this body that was dominated by sin and death, now has a new source of life by the Spirit of God, and it quickens our mortal body, gives it energy and life from the Holy Spirit that's working on the inside of us. 
It creates our whole thought process and our whole emotional process and our whole activity and conduct to begin to change by the Spirit that dwells within us. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. Paul ends his letter there. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. He ends it, he says, Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I mean, that's something. You know, we like the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's awesome. It's by his grace that we were saved through faith. The love of God. Thank God he loved us so much he sent Jesus. But he says this thing. He said, now the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now, I know you, almost all of you may know this. But now, you know, Jesus is seated in reality, the, the, the Trinity. But if we think about it, Jesus raised, he's seated in heavenly places. He's seated at the right hand of majesty on high. God, in the person of God, the Father, is in heaven. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is in heaven at his own right hand. The third person of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is here on earth right now. He's the one with us and in us right now. Yet, at the same time, even for believers, even for Christians, he's many times the one given the least attention to. And then if he is given attention to, it's really spooky. Many times. But he says, I don't want it to be spooky. I want it to be powerful. I want it to be applicable to everyday life. Right? And when it gets so full in your everyday life, it's going to spill over into things that are a little extraordinary. Sometimes we want the spectacular extraordinary, and we haven't even got full for everyday life yet. And sometimes they just cross over because God wants to show us a little bit of what's to come if we continue on course. And again, sometimes we get that, that look of, of what's to come, and we abandon what is and jump over to what's to come. But he said, just stay with it, and we'll really step into some things that will really change your life forever. And so just, just navigating here, just stay with me for a little bit. Proverbs chapter 18, and verse 14, in the Amplified Bible, says this. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily harm, or in times of trouble, sickness, and disease, right? A, the strong spirit of a man. Well, we know that without Jesus Christ, we were dead spiritually. We had no spiritual life, eternal life on the inside of us. So how do we get strong spiritually? Well, first of all, being born again. But then after we're born again, there's this transformation that begins to take place. He wants to strengthen us by the Holy Spirit in our inner man. Why? Because you are going to encounter trouble. Anybody here ever encountered, encountered any trouble? So again, Pastor Tasha made mention of this a few weeks ago. Brother Hagin said, the crisis of life comes to everybody. 
Sometimes we get born again. It's so thrilling. It's so exciting. God's moving. I'm so excited. Everything's so new, and it just doesn't seem like anything could bring me down. There's no trouble, and then all of a sudden we start maturing, and trouble comes, and if we haven't matured or been strengthened inside, we're like, what is this trouble? But it says, a weak spirit who can bear. In other words, when trouble comes, if we're weak spiritually, we won't be able to bear up under the trouble. But if we're strong spiritually, then when trouble comes, we withstand the trouble. There's something supernatural going on strengthening you even right now if you're giving place to the Holy Spirit. Because Philippians chapter 2, Paul said this to them. He said, for it is God. He said, first of all, he said, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? Don't wait for somebody else to work it out. You begin to work it out. He said, well, how am I going to work it out? I don't even know what to work out. He says, for it is God that works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the Spirit of God is working in us to will and to do, or to bring about the willingness and the ability to do God's good pleasure, right? He's at work bringing a strength on the inside of us. There's a working of the Spirit within. If we allow Him every single day, we realize, man, He's at work within me. He's really at work on the inside of me doing something tremendous. Praise the Lord. And so turn over to... Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 17, again, some of this is, is a reminder to you, but it says, now the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, or other translations say, and where the Spirit is Lord where the Spirit is Lord. So let's just go for a moment and, and just remind you what you did the day you got born again. And if you didn't do this or you weren't aware of this, then it'd be a good time to say, you know what, I just need to make that adjustment for my salvation. But we realize that Jesus came, he's the Savior of the world. And so he doesn't just say, come, I acknowledge you as Savior of my life. He says, when somebody acknowledges Jesus as Lord, in other words, I haven't been doing so good with my own life, right? We never could do anything good enough because sin has entered into life. I can't do it myself. So since I can't do it, I need somebody who did it. And that person who did it knows, I mean, he died, took my sin upon himself, and he raised from the dead. He's the firstborn among many brethren. He knows how to live a resurrected life. That's why we make him Lord, why we make him master. He's the one not only that authored eternal life, but he knows where the finish is. He's the author and the finisher. Why wouldn't you make that person head over everything? So it says, we, we, we put ourselves in a position that we say, now, I submit to your lordship, which means what? Your master. Your master. So even when we begin to talk about it, we look at the apostles. 
and the, 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 the letters that they wrote. This was so important to them, uh, the order in which they greeted people. They would say, write to the church, and they would first of all say, Peter would say this, he would say, uh, I'm writing to you, this is Peter, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. First, most of us would say, I'm going to write, this is the apostle. I'm the prophet. I'm, he said, no, I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ, first of all. And then I'm an apostle. So important how you humble yourself to what the Spirit of God has done. First of all, before anything, I couldn't be an apostle without Jesus first being the Lord. And him being Lord, then he appointed me as an apostle. He called me as an apostle. I didn't get to figure that out. He called me. He came and fished in my boat. And then he said, come on with me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Peter didn't just say, you know what? I see that guy over there. I'll just go. No, Jesus called him. So when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, we say, you be the master of my life. Come into my heart, be the master of my life. Well, how could that happen? Because I believe that you died for my sin and God raised you from the dead. And because he did that, you washed all my sin away. Now I'm no longer separated from you, but you've washed me. You've made a whole new spirit man. I'm a new creation. I am a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And now if I'll acknowledge you are the master of my life. Holy Spirit, you're the master of my life. So he said, wherever the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty. There is liberty. So the Holy Spirit's not going to bind you up. The Holy Spirit's going to set you free. He's going to set you free to be everything he created you to be. He's going to set you free to develop a brand new kind of life and a brand new quality of life. It's like something you've never known before, something I've never known before. And it's going to be a life that there's a continual flow from him, a continual empowerment from him to cause that transformation to come, play, uh, come to pass. Right? It's going to be like a wellspring of water springing up to eternal life. Come on, on the inside of you, you felt any wellspring springing up lately? Because <laughs> it's in there. According to the Bible, it's in there right now. Well, you know, it just really seems when I'm in a Holy Ghost meeting, that's when it really springs up. Well, praise the Lord. You pull the plug off and it springs up. But he said there should be a daily springing up of a wellspring of eternal life. The attributes of eternal life are readily available to draw upon, to drink from, to give sustenance to our life. Right? Because something, you know, we're, we're, we're getting somewhere because something in that is going to be sustainable and so powerful that then we'll know exactly what to do with it. Just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus did. All right? So it says, where he's Lord, uh, there is liberty. 
But we all with unveiled face. In other words, they, they had the law, and they, when Moses came down with the glory of God, they had to put a veil on their face. They said, we can't even stand to look at your face. It's shining with the glory of God. We're not worthy. But he said, listen, he did something, not because we made ourselves worthy, but because he made us worthy. And now with unveiled face, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Whoo. Come on. We're not just reading a book. This word is alive, and it's quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And we look at it, you know, when I read the Bible, I'm just getting really bored. Well, find a place that you're not bored. Go to Ephesians and find out who you are in Christ Jesus, and all of a sudden, you start to find out, man, I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm loved, I'm redeemed by the blood. Every promise of God is mine. He re, uh, caused me to be born again so that I could be like him. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. How'd that happen? Man, you're beholding the splendor, the glory of God like a mirror. It's not a far off here. Well, I wish that was for somebody. No, it's like a mirror. I see it, and I see myself in that. When the Holy Spirit's Lord, you're reading it. If he's not Lord, you're reading it. You're going, yep, yep, wouldn't that be nice? Yep. (laughs) But when the Holy Spirit's Lord, you look at it, and you're like, whoa, wow. I'm starting to see myself. I'm starting to see myself as the righteousness of God in Christ. When I read it, well, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like a worm. I don't feel worthy. All of a sudden, I see myself. In right standing with God, my sin washed away. Man, I see myself as a son or a daughter of God. I'm not ordinary anymore. I'm not merely human, but I'm God. I'm a God human, full of the life of God. He said, you all of a sudden start beholding the glory and the splendor of what God has done by his spirit working to transform your life. He says, when we behold behold that, you can read it and go, I'm just not seeing it. Come on, then just give the Holy Spirit a little bit more lordship. Because he says, he'll set you free from seeing yourself in a negative manner. He'll set you free from seeing and and identifying yourself by the mistakes that you've made. He'll set you free from feeling like you could never accomplish something great for eternity. He'll set you free. Where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty, there's freedom to become all that you were created to be. There's freedom from the old things that the enemy put on you to bind you and to hold you back. There's freedom. And it says, and we are being transformed into the same image. Wow. When you see Jesus in here, when you see what the Holy Spirit has said about you, and you're like, wow, that looks good. But then you walk away and forget what that said. He said, no, that's not, that's not what's happening. He's saying, I'm, I, when you see that, I'm working in you to change you into the very same image. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. Come on now, you want to see the supernatural. You want to see the supernatural. 
Come on now. Then it's time to get into the word and go, okay, Holy Spirit, you're the Lord. I'm not in charge of this. Start somewhere. Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, start somewhere where it's talking about you and, and you in the church, you in Christ, and say, all right, I'm looking at this like a mirror. You show me, me in that. And you'll start to read that and go, not me. It says, put on the new man, which was created in the likeness and the image of him who created That's right. him. That's right. Put off the old man. Well, I can't do that. No, you all of a sudden say, I can put off that stuff. And he'll start to change your thinking about yourself. What you said you couldn't put off, he'll show you, sure you can. You're free to just throw that off. Put away that anger. Put away sexual immorality. Put away that greediness. Put away that stuff. Well, I can't do it. I, I just can't. Oh, sure you can. You start to look at that and go, I can do that. Put on the new man. Well, I don't know if I could be that. He shows you. And then he starts working something supernatural a transformation in us. Come on, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. All right, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. So there's some spectacular things that are going to take place. There's some spectacular things that are going to take place. I really believe with all of my heart that some of you are going to lay hands on people that cannot walk and they'll get up and walk. Amen. Come on. At the same time, if you did that right now, and again, I'm not judging anybody, you did that right now, you'd probably set up three tents and want to stay there. Set up a ministry. But just one man got up and walked. Doesn't, doesn't make for a healing ministry. It's something to glorify Jesus and what he's doing, right? And so there's things that continue to develop and mature. But as we are, we're going to see that. But just because somebody gets up, somebody else comes. Well, I don't know if I can, you know, we, we start to think about how we'd fit right into that. But he begins to show us for the sake of others how that begins to work. The supernatural moves into the spectacular. Right? But it's a supernatural thing what, what's going on in changing your life. How many of you love Jesus more today than you did last month? Praise the Lord. How many of you think you're a little bit more like Jesus than you were last month? <laughs> well, then that's supernatural. There's supernatural stuff going on. Some of you may say, I ain't no different. I've been a Christian for five years and I don't feel any different. But that's why this message is for you as well. Because God wants you to not only see where you're different, but begin to walk in this newness of life. Well, I can't do it. You don't know what's going on in my life. No, I don't know everything that's going on in your life, but he does, and that's why he sent Jesus to set you free. Well, I need somebody to help me. Well, there's a helper, and he's called the Holy Spirit. And there's others that will help you, but number one, there's going to, not every moment of every day are you going to have somebody there in the flesh, but every moment of every day you have someone there. So if we can learn to walk with the Holy Spirit, we're never alone. If we can learn to walk with the Holy Spirit, we're never without help. Well, I just need somebody to help me. Now again, we know we're not all there yet. But I'm telling you all, you're here on Sunday night, so you're special. 
You're dedicated. So I know that you'll get it. Right? But if we do, then we will be actually the ones that get to help somebody come along and understand that they too don't have to yield to the enemy. They they don't have to give place to those things. They don't have to live in the same old habitual uh, uh, stream of life that they just feel like they have to. I, I don't know what other way to go, but when the Spirit is working, when we're aware of those fountains of living water on the inside of us, then change isn't nearly as hard. But when we're unaware of it, we're not giving it the proper attention, then it's hard because we're trying to do it on our own. And you are never intended to to really learn how to live this new kind of life. It's a huge life. It's an it's eternal life. It's eternal in scope, not just in longevity, but it's eternal in scope. You were never intended to figure it out all by yourself. That's why you have a helper, the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, do my commandments. I love you, Jesus. I want to do your commandments. He said, all right, that's all I needed was willingness. Now I'm going to send you the helper. And he's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. And the world doesn't know him, and they can't know him, but you know him. He's going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to help you. He's going to be your advocate. When the enemy comes and accuses you of stuff, he is going to be your legal advocate to tell you, listen, don't listen to that accuser. The blood of Jesus paid for your life. When the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, working on the inside of you, you're like the Apostle Paul. Who is it that comes to condemn me? It's Jesus that gave his life for me. Who is it that accuses me? Who told you you weren't good enough? It wasn't Jesus, and Jesus was the one that gave his life for you. And all of a sudden, now he's our advocate. He's the one that's taken a hold together with us. He's the one that's helping us see things in a different manner. All right, praise the Lord. Where did I tell you to turn? Galatians chapter (laughs) 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. We're going to get real spiritual. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because the flesh lusts, or its desires are against the Spirit, and the Spirit's desires are against the flesh. They're contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So again, he talks about being led by the Spirit, In Romans, he said, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, right? So we're born of God, but he's talking as we mature, we realize, man, my, my, my success in life is being led by the Spirit of God, the one who knows the way, the way to go. He understands the eternal things. He understands the hearts of people that I come in contact with. He knows circumstances of life that I would never know. He'll show me things to come if I allow him to be Lord. He'll he'll help me not to be ensnared by traps of the enemy. Come on. There's supernatural living there. Can I have a Kleenex right there? Praise the Lord. All right. So he he goes on to say this. He says, so they're they're contrary to one another. We said this last week or last time we were together. You know, a a, a Christian that, that isn't really learning to walk in the Spirit is miserable. I mean, some, some Christians go like, I was happier when I, before I met Jesus. Well, sure, your flesh was doing whatever it wanted. You were on your way to death and separ- you were separated from God, but you didn't feel any struggle going on. 
right? And then somebody who's totally sold out to God, they're like, whoo, things come, but man, I'm serving God in this. But if you're caught in the middle, your flesh is pulling. You, you come to church, hear the word of God, that's where I want to go. But by Wednesday, man, your flesh is like, we're not doing that. And it pulls you over there. And then by Sunday, you're like, no, we are doing that. And then, no, you're not doing that. And you just get confused and you feel miserable and you think, well, yeah, church is my problem. But church isn't your problem. There's a struggle. But he says, if we go ahead and choose to walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So jump over to verse 24 for a minute to help, help us understand this. And it says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires... If we live in the Spirit, so he's just talked about what life in the Spirit looks like if you allow the Holy Spirit to be Lord and produce this newness of life in you that's living in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. So he bookends this little place and he says, if we walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because there's a battle going on, right? And so if we're not careful, we think if I walk in the Spirit, woo, but he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't have a hook of a shundai. And all that exists, but I'm just talking about right where we live. What the Holy Spirit wants to do, the Spirit within. Because He's going to come on you at different times. But sometimes we don't even know what He's coming on us for because we're not developed within. So, you know, then it gets a little, whew. But there's going to be some stuff that you're just like, really? You want me to do that? I mean, that's, you want me to get out of the boat and walk on some water? right? He's going to do stuff that, 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 that's odd, but that's something that's like supernaturally powerful, right? That, that's defying the laws of nature. Sometimes there's some spiritual things that we don't know what to do with, and it gets a little, it gets a little different. But he says, if we live in the Spirit, we'll walk in the Spirit. So he bookends that. So what's walking in the Spirit, or what's living in the Spirit? So he said, listen, we have a liberty Again, we looked at that in Galatians right before this. He says, you have liberty, only don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh or the old nature. So many times we've done that. Well, I'm not under law. I'm under grace. I'm free. And we just go and live and let our flesh dominate us. Pastor Tasha read this morning from Romans, the 13th chapter, I believe it's the 14th verse, said, make no provision for your flesh. Right? He says, if the Spirit of God dwells in us, Romans chapter 8, he said, if the Spirit of God dwells in us, we are not a debtor to the flesh. You don't owe your flesh anything if you're born again. But your flesh will try to tell you, come on now. Come on now. You don't want to be all crazy sold out for God, do you? You don't want to be a fanatic. You've seen those Christian fanatics. You don't want to be one of those. So he paints this picture of you just being kooky, <laughs> right? So you'll resist being spiritual. But that's where you just have to say, I'm in. I want to be changed. I don't want to be the same person I've always been. I'm ready for you to be Lord and experience liberty to be who you created me to be. 
And so one of the first things he's going to do, if we see this, is he's going to say, all right, you ready? You ready? How many of you are ready for what I just said? You're ready. You're like, be Lord, man, I'm ready to change. All right, so if you've ever said that to God, you know exactly what's coming. It's coming just what he says right here. He says, so you're going to have to put off some flesh stuff. But the first thing that's coming, if you want to be transformed into this spiritual kind of life, this spiritual quality of life, is he's going to start telling you, you're going to have to love people. Okay, so how many of you still want that change? All right, a few less hands. I knew that was coming. Can't we just have a Holy Ghost meeting? Well, sure we can. It'll make you feel good. But the moment you let him be Lord to give you a different kind of life, he's going to say, now, the produce that I'm going to produce on the inside of you. And he doesn't, if you look at that word translation, he's talking singular. He's not talking multiple fruit. So in other words, what he's saying is he's giving us different components of the product. It's one product that he's producing, the life of the Spirit. But it has components to it. So the overall overriding component is love. Yeehaw. Well, it'll take me a long time to get over that. Well, not if he's Lord. He'll set you free to love like we've never loved before. Well, you, you don't know. I mean, I've got this thing. I, I, it's hard for me to love some people. Well, sure it is. Mr. and Mrs. Obvious? Sure it is. It's hard to love people. Jesus said it's hard to love people who don't like you. It's hard to get down and pray for somebody who with spite actually uses you. He said, but that's what's so extraordinary about this new kind of life. I didn't say it was going to be easy for you. But boy, when he gets done with us, wahoo. Jesus said, listen, the enemy's coming, but he's got nothing in me. Won't that be great? When we develop in the love of God, and we know the enemy comes, that Shane, you know what that Shane did? I'm like, I don't even care right now. I just love him so much. It's like, come on. Well, that John then, that John, that Todd, I mean, he'll just go through a whole list of people, and when all of a sudden you're just like, you know what? Don't mess with me like that. I love them then he doesn't find that old thing that he used to find to pull you down and to pull you off. Why? Because the love of God is supernatural. All right. And he says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. He said this hope, this expectation of eternal life, this expectation of being different in a new kind of life, it doesn't make us ashamed. It doesn't make us feel weird. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit of God. It's that love of God, that very character, that very life, that very nature of God that moves in at the very first, because God is love. And when he moves in with his love, it's like, wow, I feel more godly than I have in a long time. Why? Because I love the brethren. 
Come on. And then it'll mess with you. About the time you feel like you love the brother, you'll get lax on that, and he'll come back and have people just start irritating you. And then you have to go back and go, you know what? I need to restudy this. Why? Because he'll always try to get you just to lean on the arm of the flesh. But if we go right to the wellspring, it's already shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. That's why I study in 1 Corinthians as an outline. Not just reading it like a poem, but an outline. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not easily provoked. You know, we went through a, a number of different uh, situations in our life. They seem to all back up one to another. The enemy likes that. He likes to kind of just wear you down. And so, you know, a number of people close to us have passed away. A number of things have happened. Situations took place. And so, you know, I thought I was navigating that pretty well. Uh, Unfortunately, I think both uh, Tasha and myself were navigating it uh, in our own direction. And so we were in an argument one time. And she said, uh, you know, uh, she was feeling not very loved. And uh, she said, you're just so edgy. And of course, I'm not edgy, you're edgy. Because, you know, I wasn't edgy. (laughs) So I was like, God, you got to help me with this. I love my wife. He said, do you? I said, I do. And she doesn't act like she knows that I love her very much. He said, well, why don't you open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Like, really? Here we go. Whenever he tells you to open your Bible to something you can quote, you're fixing to get some correction. So whenever he says, why don't you open your Bible to something I know, I'm like, if he's telling me to open my Bible, I'm going to have to read it multiple times. And so, you know, I, I got to that point, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not touchy or fretful. And I kept trying to read past that as quickly as I could. (laughs) Read it again. It's not touchy or fretful. It's not touchy or fretful. He said, you've allowed all this stuff that has come into your life to make you touchy. Right? Who is that? So touchy. Sinchikin. And she was, you ought to. You ought to quit being so touchy. (laughs) That won't make sense if you weren't here this morning. <laughs> but, man, I started looking at that, trying to avoid it, but the Holy Spirit caused me to zone in on that. And he said, you are touchy. And love is not touchy. I said, well, you know, I tried to tell God this. I'm just being honest. I think this in my mind. Well, if you've been through what I've been through, you'd be touchy. You really get no traction with God that way. It's like, well, if you'd been through the cross, you might be a little touchy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, I mean, I just looked at that, and it was just, it just stood out at me. And so I just said, well, God, you're just going to have to forgive me and help me. Help me love my wife. Help me love my wife. Now, she's the only one that can tell you, but based on how much better we started getting along, I must not be quite as touchy. Been working on it. Sometimes I know that. But it's a guideline. So if we want to walk in love, the Holy Spirit will help you. If you just read through it, well, I'm walking in love. No, if you're not being patient and kind, then you're not walking in love. If you're being self-seeking, 
Love is not self-seeking. If you're not believing the best, then it's not love. If you're not expecting, if you're not have a confident expectation in things to come, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Well, I'm just going to quit. Love doesn't quit. Come on, it's getting quiet. But man, I'll start, you start studying that, and the Holy Spirit starts changing your life. Not making excuses, just changing. And it's a process. Right? I'm, I, I like when Paul said, not that I have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I'm not saying that I've apprehended, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if we can understand what the Spirit of God is doing within us and allow that to take place, He's going to come upon us in extraordinary ways. He's going to come upon us at extraordinary times. He's going to put us in extraordinary places with extraordinary people. He's going to cause to take place what his word says. That when we comprehend the depth and the breadth and the height and the length of his love. The love that passes human knowledge. When we start to understand that and yield to that, then God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ever asked, hoped, dreamed, or thought. You want to see some extraordinary, above whatever you asked, hoped, dreamed, or thought? Embrace the love of God. Embrace the comprehension that it's deeper than you've ever known. It's wider than you've ever known. It's higher than you've ever known. It's longer than you've ever known. It's bigger than you think. It's not just about feeling good about somebody feeling good about you. It's extraordinary love. It has to do with eternal life. He goes on to say that faith worketh by love. Holy cow. I'm sorry. We'll wrap this up real quick. In my mind, it was 715. But for that person back there sleeping, it's what time it is. All right. I'm sorry. We got, we got a lot of Sunday nights we can keep going. Anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. He'll strengthen you. Understand this, that faith worketh by love. Faith worketh by love. There's some spiritual things that go on as we develop in love. It calls fear a spirit. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, right? In that case, fear is not a work of the flesh. Fear is a spiritual force. Right? Sometimes it needs to be identified and dealt with, but it says that, that fear is a spiritual force. But love conquers fear. Love casts out fear. Right? So you can have somebody exercise you of fear, or you can just get in the love of God, and the love of God will cast out all fear. Why? Because fear has torment. God loves you so much, he doesn't want you tormented. So perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear has torment. Faith worketh by love. Almost everything that we can look at, love is the motivating force for spiritual activity. Any kind of spiritual activity. And he goes on to develop that. I, I figured we'd go through three or four today. We only got through that one. So. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up? Praise the Lord. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? We're just laying a foundation. We're not throwing one thing aside or the other. It doesn't have to be one or the other. God wants it to be both. But there's a, I believe there's something supernatural that's going on that will create some really spectacular 
events that give glory to God. Amen. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Holy Spirit, I, I, I just ask you. I believe that you will. Deal with each and every one of us in our heart and in our life concerning the spirit within, how you're working in us right now to will and to do of God's good pleasure, how you are that wellspring of life springing up that will give you the attention do you. As we look into the word, we'll allow you to, to make it known to us who we are in Christ. As we see it, we desire it, and we allow you to work in us, work together with us to cause that transformation of the new life in Christ. That transformation that we experience the reality of a new creature in Christ. Thank you for working in us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus. Oops, I have some prayer clause here. Sorry. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. A gallbladder and a heart need healing. Why don't you stretch out here? Father, we thank you for healing power. According to Acts, the 19th chapter, where handkerchiefs and aprons were brought to the body of the Apostle Paul. We pray over these claws that they'd be anointed with healing anointing. God, we know you love these two individuals so much that you gave Jesus. Jesus, you gave up your life. You laid over that whipping post. You bore those stripes so that these could be healed. So we thank you for that. And on the basis of that blood that you shed, we declare healing, health, restoration, and recovery to their bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.